Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD, and today we are pleased to bring you one of our dearest friends and absolute favorite writers, Cheryl St. Aubin of Three Little Birds Raising Kids on the Autism Spectrum. Welcome, Cheryl, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me. So, Cheryl, could you please um, give an introduction of yourself and just talk a little bit about your journey? Because there are so many unique aspects to your story, and I would love for everyone to know. Sure. So, um, our autism journey started when our youngest son, Finn, who was two, had a massive regression. Um, He lost all, um, basically everything but motor skills. He lost all engagement. He didn't know we were in a room. He lost any language that he may or may not have had. We're honestly, we're not sure if it was agalalia or if he actually had words, but looking back, you know, hindsight. Um, But it was a, the diagnosis was pretty simple because of the regression, Um, but then what happened is we kind of had a backwards journey. So um, when I started learning about autism, we actually realized that our older son, Landon, had also also had autism and uh, he got diagnosed at eight, then was diagnosed at two and a half. And uh, now we're on a journey with our daughter. So who's, um, her name's Liliana and she's 13. Um, she's just recently diagnosed with ADHD, both types, anxiety, depression, um, and she will also be evaluated for autism. So we are kind of on a backwards journey, which has been very interesting. So um, Finn is severe, meaning um, he's, he's somewhat verbal, actually quite a bit verbal now, but um, he has no sense of danger. Um, he elopes a lot, things like that, and he's very aggressive. He's a very aggressive child, has a lot of behaviors, um, so they still consider him severe. He needs one-to-one care. Um, he always needs an aid if he were like in school or therapies, and he always needs one-to-one attention here at home. And Cheryl, you've homeschooled him for the past year, or has it been longer than that at this point? Yeah, so my homeschooling journey began when I actually pulled him out of kindergarten. Preschool wasn't too bad of an experience. He had early intervention. He had ABA mixed with like preschool. But then um, when we sent him to kindergarten, we couldn't send him to the same school. They suggested a different school for us. And honestly, it was a nightmare. So um, they were like putting him in the corner and leaving him there with headphones on and they weren't, you know, we tried really hard. We stayed, we tried to stick it out about two and a half months. Um, I sent in therapists trying to help them um, because he can learn. Um, They actually told me he was unteachable and um, that's not the case at all. My kid can read and he can write and he can do math. He's actually really smart. Um, but he learns a different way, like most autistic kids do. So, um, I ended up having to pull him out. So I pulled him out after about two and a half months and I said, well, I guess it's me. And I've been homeschooling him ever since. 
And then uh, we had him in ABA. He had started a new center right at the tail end of 2019. And then COVID hit and he mm-hmm. was pulled out on March 9th. And we have been home doing everything kind of by ourselves since no therapies, no caregivers, no school. Mm-hmm. And you don't have family that lives close. So um, don't. Yeah, it, no. it's all you all the time. Yeah, it's me, my husband and my two children. And um, my husband pretty much works all day. And um, yeah, it's definitely been challenging, just like it is for most families. And I know a lot of families are even going through what I go through right now, which um, our center basically told us he couldn't come back even when other kids did go back, saying mm-hmm. that he was too severe for mm-hmm. a behavioral center that's <laughs> supposed to deal with behaviors. Right. Um, I could go on and on about that, but um, it's definitely frustrating. Um, we've seen a lot of regression with coping skills and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main topic that I wanted to talk about with you, Cheryl, is um, you've written some powerful holiday theme pieces centered around awareness and emotion and isolation and just all of the things that special needs families feel. And I would love to talk further about your tips and advice Um, For those feeling anxious about the upcoming holidays, because you do such a wonderful job um, just laying it all out there. Oh, thanks. Um, I mean, for, I I just did a Halloween piece and um, even Halloween, I always just say like build awareness. And I think even in Thanksgiving, Christmas, I think with anything, if you're dealing with other people, building awareness in your neighborhood or with your loved ones and things like that is definitely top of the list of how to help your child um you know anybody who understands your child more I think goes a long way um you know every year it was different for us because I remember vividly like right before he turned two the Christmas before he turned two I remember thinking he didn't act the way that Lily did and um Liliana has a March 2nd birthday and Finn has a March 12th birthday. So I kind of expected their milestones to, I guess, be similar. So I expected their Christmases to kind of look similar, you know, the, and there was no level of excitement and no awareness of Christmas, even at two, you know, Mm -hmm. or close to two, which I mean, even Liliana at one, (laughs) like like nine months had some awareness, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was really, was very different he didn't play with toys properly um he would like pick up cars and just put them down on ramps and just repeat over and over he'd flip things over and spin the wheels line things up um I didn't know it was autism though you know I just remember thinking that first Christmas that we started you know you know this isn't it just doesn't seem right like something's off but I didn't Mm -hmm. know it was autism yet And then the following year, you know, then we knew it was autism. He actually got diagnosed in December. So that year was a really hard, I would say that was our hardest Christmas because we knew why he didn't engage and we knew, and we didn't know if he ever would. You know, at that time it was so hard and we had nothing. Um, I mean, he could have cared less about a tree, a present. He didn't even know. And then, Mm -hmm. um, years later you know I'd say every year you know you would 
would hope <laughs> that maybe, you know, you'd get a glimpse of something different. And I'd say the first two years after the diagnosis, there was nothing. I remember one year I put presents under the tree. It's probably like when he was maybe five. No, last year he was five, so four maybe. I don't know. He, like, I think he opened one like Christmas Eve and I thought oh well then maybe he'll do it Christmas Day and nothing and I let those presents mm-hmm. sit under the tree for like two weeks before we put the tree down and he never never went under it never cared I remember mm-hmm. being so sad as I put the presents on in the garage and then I rewrapped mm-hmm. them for his birthday like I didn't know what to do I was like what am I going to do with all these presents and I think that you know what I always say to any autism mom or parent is what you're feeling, like I validate that. Like if you're feeling grief, it's that's totally what you're feeling. Like don't anybody ever tell you that you can't be sad or that you should feel this way or just happy they're alive or, um, you know, or it could be worse or, you know, those kind of statements don't help. Um, mm-hmm. I always feel, you know, like sometimes people are just trying to make you feel better, but I always say sit in it, you know, don't sit in it forever, but it's okay to feel it. Um, For me, I had really great holidays when I grew up. And so I think a lot of parents have these dreams of what, you know, you have a family, you get married, you have a family, you have this vision you have this idea of what holidays are going to look like and you plan them so meticulously and then when your kid doesn't even know who Santa Claus is you know when your kid screams because you know or just doesn't even care it's hard it's hard when you can't go anywhere um we've been a family who really can't go places it's very tough and we try. I always recommend to families, if it's hard, keep trying, keep trying. Um, it can get better. But it took years. I mean, Finn's almost seven. And last year was the first year we ever went to a parade. Um, you know, I had hoped to do it this year. But obviously with COVID, you know, right. things are different. But, um, you know, last year he opened presents. I'd say last year was the first time he actually, like, put the star on the tree and you know cared about the presents and um you know this year he's circling the target book you know so i just i always tell parents it can get better um but it's okay if you're sad Mm -hmm. i remember our first christmas eve um after our diagnosis and i stood in the kitchen and i sobbed because i just wanted him to want for something. I wanted right. him to feel that excitement and that want and that anticipation. Yes. And I, I feared he would never have that. And we do now. He does. Um, he doesn't understand the time. He doesn't rush Christmas along like the rest of us, but he is able to want for something. And if I don't hide that something, he will open one and he is done because if that's what he asked for, why would he need anything else? <laughs> well, and you know, that also is, it's okay if your Christmas looks different, which is another thing that I always say to families is if 
you have a child who gets overstimulated with large crowds, it's okay to say to your family, we can't go. Sorry, we're going to have a quiet Christmas home. Like, you have to do what's right for your family, for your child. And really, like, I mean, I think in some ways, you know, we shouldn't have to apologize for it all the time. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's just what we have to do. Um, and I think there's a lot of guilt in that. Um, I mean, I didn't have, I remember even in Michigan, and this was before autism, you know, I got sick when I was pregnant once and I couldn't go to my in-laws and I felt like this tremendous guilt because I couldn't you know go spend Christmas day with them and I was like why am I feeling guilty like I'm sick you know Mm -hmm. it's just like if your child if that's not a place that's happy for them if they're just going to stress out I always say just you know make the holidays what you need them to be and if what is under your tree is paper you know Mm -hmm. if what is you know wrapped up is something that is a two-year-old toy for a nine-year-old so be it like there Mm -hmm. is no shame in that um I mean why would you try to force your it's like you said you know if if he wants one present then he would be like why are you gonna buy me more right and um I think it's letting go of some of those expectations that definitely helps and just making it your own. Um. Autism forced me to be comfortable with setting boundaries. Um, And like you said, that guilt, I had to set boundaries to let go of that Mm -hmm. guilt. If we know that we only have an hour before it's too much, then I, I have to be okay with letting everybody know we can only stay for an hour. And I do think that once you've been there and once you've done it, your family starts to see and they start to understand. It's just getting comfortable with being that honest. And that's hard for a lot of people because you feel like you're disappointing them, but they would rather see your child succeed than you not be honest about what your needs are. And I think that's so important for families to know. I mean, Lily used to be like a really big performer and I had to just give in to the fact that Finn couldn't go. Finn couldn't sit through a recital. He couldn't sit through a play. Um, not only was it hard for him, but he was, he has, he scripts and he stims and makes a lot of noise. It's very disruptive and, you know, not fair to everybody else. Also, we always had to get a sitter for everything. And it's okay to do that too. And I always say, if you have other children, I stress this, they need time even without that child. You need time even without that child. Sometimes you need separate time. Um, Your other children need to see, you know, you and your spouse happy. And sometimes without all the stress and without all the drama that goes along with it. I always, you know, we're a family of five and I always say, you know what, sometimes we have to be a family of four and it's okay. I mean, it took me a long time to, you know, I, we still leave and I still am like, oh, you know, and the guilt eats me alive, but like, it, it just, cause you wish, you wish they could join us. But if you have a kid who can't go to a parade or, or can't go to the train ride, you know, and go on the Polar Express, but you got two other ones that can get that sitter, take those other kids. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I often think Jackson needs a break mm -hmm. too. Um, and sometimes it's our house without the rest of us yes. in it. Um, with him and just a sitter instead of us doing the dishes and the laundry and cooking. And it's okay for him to enjoy our home being quiet too. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Katie, um, you and Cheryl kind of share where um, you have kids with different needs. Um, do you have advice for the holidays as well? I think really it is just about doing what is right for your family. It took us years. Uh, Jackson, you know, is on this very different journey than what we went through with Avery. And, you know, it took us a while. And now finally this year, we're starting to find our footing where we can say no to family. We can say no to friends and say, you know, one of the boys or both of the boys are not doing well today or you know we'll come for a visit or we can do this or whatever it may be but um we don't always do it together as a family um and i think it took a really long time to get to that spot and and really years for you know before jackson was ever a part of the picture and it was just me my husband and Avery and Natalie, it took a really long time for our family, you know, for holidays and, and just get togethers, general get togethers to understand that we can only make an hour. We can only make two hours. And, and I want to say as Avery got older and as he gets older, some of these things are coming easier to us. Um, but we definitely know how to read Avery, kind of just like how we know how to read Jackson and we know how long he can last somewhere. Um, but when Avery was really young, we had no idea. Like we didn't know what his limit was. We were just, we were really just winging it. Like we didn't know. Um, and it took us a really long time to figure it out. And then our family and friends, you know, it took them a really long time to one, accept that, that we had to leave or we had to go or we couldn't come. And then, you know, for them to kind of recognize situations and see, oh, like Avery's starting to get, you know, upset or he's getting anxious or, you know, he's done. Like they are starting to recognize it now too, which is really good. But everything, you know, it's not a sprint. I, I think that sometimes for certain families and us, you know, we can say we were one at the very beginning of autism. We felt like we had to do this sprint, like we had to figure it all out really quick and have all the answers. And if we didn't, we're failing. And it's not a sprint. It is literally the hold hands and walking down a green, green path, like in a slow, slow motion. It is day by day. It is not a sprint. And you figure it out. You figure out the holidays, you figure out, you know, road trips, you figure out, you know, family vacations, all of those things, you figure it out together as a family. And I think the better, you know, the better you understand your child and also the more grace you give yourself and your family in those situations, the better you're gonna come out of it. I think I've learned with time how to step back. And like you uh -huh. said, it's not a sprint. It's okay if our Christmas takes three days. Yes. 
It's okay if every present isn't opened at the same time. That learning their joy, it's okay to let it be at a more comfortable pace. Yeah. So Cheryl, what tips could you give a newly diagnosed parent who's trying to make holidays more inclusive for their children or their family? I mean, I would just... I honestly, I would just start slow. I, I wouldn't even, you know, I always say try, but just understand that like, let go of the expectations as much as you can, because honestly, autism just in general is so unpredictable. I would have never guessed that my first Christmas would be where my son didn't sleep, you know, um, I I remember like he didn't sleep I couldn't even get the stuff out you know like to get it under the tree in time and stuff like that he he would literally not go to bed that night and it was like how's this gonna work you know um Mm -hmm. so I always say just go with the flow um I even say that on a wedding day (laughs) something may go wrong (laughs) I always tell this to a bride something will probably go wrong it's not going to be the end of the world whatever it is just enjoy your day it's almost like that Christmas we make such a huge deal out of and so it's so easy to get disappointed so letting go of some of those expectations assuming that something may not go as intended and just kind of being prepared for that trying to know your kid and what upsets them or what overstimulates them Um, just trying to adjust and even preparing family and friends anybody that you're supposed to you know if that's your first Christmas and your child just got diagnosed expect the unexpected and explain to every single person already you know who you may encounter during those holidays hey we may we may need to go we don't know what this is going to look like um you know, and talk about it, you know, connect with special needs moms who get it. Um, I mean, this has always been my saving grace once I found moms who understood Mm -hmm. and talk to your spouse, you know, and tell them how Mm -hmm. you're feeling. Um, It's okay for it to be different, but it's okay to be sad about it too. Mm -hmm. I remember um, the first time that I ever Um, said the words out loud um, he has autism Mm -hmm. and it was like I said them so quickly because I was afraid that if I didn't that they wouldn't come out and for families who this is your first holiday and maybe this is the first time saying that it's okay you will make it through and next year will look different it might not look better but it might look different and that's okay Um, where we were our first Christmas with autism and where we are now are, um, we've made huge leaps and bounds. Does it look like everyone's typical Christmas? No. No. Is it ever going to? Probably not. But we've learned where to find our joy out of what he needs to be happy. And it's not much. Well, and take those strengths that your kid has, any of them, or, um, you know, one of the ways that we got Finn to engage in anything was getting in his world, so to speak. So if your Christmas looks like you running around 
a room because that's what your kid does or spins in circles or hangs upside down or scripts a show, do it all with them and put on a Santa hat. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what kind of memories you make. It's just that you make them and they might look Mm -hmm. different, but that's okay. And like you said, every year will probably look different in some way. Last year, we had one of those Velcro calendars and you put the numbers on it. And when I tried to put December 26th up, he kept ripping it down. He would never let me put the extra numbers for December. He insisted it was Christmas every day. Now, could I have ever imagined it looking like that, where he was that excited about Christmas that he wanted it to be every day, or that he'd be singing Jingle Bells all year long? Nope, I never could have imagined that. So just know that it's not always gonna look the same and to have hope and to keep trying, keep trying to go out as a family and keep trying to do things and maybe just focus on one thing based on their strengths that maybe you know you can get through. Give yourself a very short list instead of everything all at once because if you can just do one, you'll feel you know, you'll feel like, wow, we really did it. And it makes you feel really good when you can accomplish just that one thing. But, you know, it's like any behavior that you're tackling, anything, you can't do everything all at once. You really have to just hyper-focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. Katie, what advice would you have for first holidays after diagnosis for any mama who may be listening? I think you just have to take a step back and relax. If I could go back in time and change the way that I dealt with our like first Christmas after Avery got diagnosed, I would. I had such an idea and kind of picture in my head of how things were supposed to go, but I never put into the equation autism. I That wasn't part of it. It was just this is how it's supposed to go. We're going to do it this way. And, and that's it. And it caused me so much stress and so much heartache and disappointment and anxiety that I wish I could go back and change that and just embrace the, just the different and the chaos in a very happy way that Avery was thrilled to have Halloween jingles playing during Christmas and that he had St. Patrick's Day hats out during Christmas. All of these things during Christmas. And, you know, I wanted him to just embrace Christmas, the, you know, the Santa hats, the presents, all the things. And I was so focused on that, that I missed a memory because that's all I was focused on. So, you know, everybody's looks different, everybody's journey, everybody's story and everybody's life. And everybody who has a child that is diagnosed on the spectrum is going through something different. And because all of us are going through something different and unique, we have to embrace that uniqueness that is happening. And we have to embrace our kids' differences and what makes them happy. And if them being happy is opening one Christmas present, if them being happy is literally just hanging out with you know the entire family for 10 minutes and then wanting to spend the rest of the day on their iPod watching YouTube kids then that's okay too yeah 
Yep. It's it's really it's the little things, and I I think that if I could personally go back and change the way that I did things when Avery first got diagnosed, especially when we're talking about holidays, I would have been less, you know, hyper focused and you know even just sensitive that Avery didn't want to do all the things that we wanted to do, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And and I I kick myself now about it because I just think like why why did that matter? Like, why did that matter so much that I was putting, you know, I wanted to have this picture, picture perfect Christmas and, you know, putting everybody else's happiness to have this picture perfect Christmas before Avery's. And that's just not fair. So, yeah. New traditions. I mean, I remember the Thanksgivings that like he, first of all, Finn has never ate Thanksgiving dinner with us once. He doesn't even eat that kind of food food he like refuses he's never had pumpkin pie he's never not even you know the desserts the only thing he cares about is the whipped cream and pumpkin pie so <laughs> I just give him like a whole plate full of whipped cream and he was in heaven at like three years old and I was like well so be it and it's a tradition on Thanksgiving for him to get a whole plate of whipped cream and we laugh about it and we're just like that's mm-hmm. a Thanksgiving meal like we joke about it like fine that's it's fine it's okay and if your you know tradition is dressing up in you know shamrocks on christmas why not like you'll laugh about it because it's special (laughs) and it's okay for it to be different so you just Mm -hmm. it's like changing your mindset and letting go of like the traditional you know expectations and things like that you really do have to let go of some of it to I guess enjoy it Cheryl if you could pick one favorite holiday memory whether it be traditional or non-traditional what is what is your favorite I mean one of them was when Finn finally put the star on because um on the big tree because he had no interest in it and it's just always been kind of like a special thing where the kids took turns and when it was Finn's first year he was three he didn't care and God bless the other kids because every year it was their turn but every year they they let Finn try you know even though it was Lily's turn I remember when he was four it was supposed to be her turn and she was like let Finn try but he had no interest but at five last year he did it and it was just like such a huge thing and I mean we have it on videotape and we we're clapping and Kyle's crying and so that's definitely like one that stands out I love that Katie what about you you know what I actually this is gonna sound strange but I actually don't have a favorite memory and something that I kind of believe with my whole entire heart just of the way that our journey has been not only with Avery but Jackson included is that we don't have necessarily favorite memories when it comes to holidays but I think it's important to remember you know the good things that have happened the wins that have happened during holidays the you know the you know just success stories if you want to say um during holidays and then also the bad i i remember both because it you know shows and also reminds us of where we started and how far and how hard we had to work at you know transitions and all of the things and communication to just have a holiday and and experience whatever our type of holiday looks like with our family 
you know, for a whole entire day or, or just half the day. So I don't necessarily have a favorite one. I just have a whole bunch of memories that are important to me because they tell our story, they tell our journey and, and, you know, they remind me of everything we've went through and how proud I am of both the boys of everything they've accomplished and just, I'm proud to be their mom. So I love that. Love that. And you know, I, I just want to say just real quick, if you have a nonverbal child, it does not mean that your child does not understand what is going on. It does not mean that, you know, they can't hear you. Um, one of the biggest surprises that happened just recently was, um, you know, Halloween was over and Finn started pulling all of our Halloween decorations down about a week after Halloween. And I didn't even know why. I was like, and he's like, Mom, Halloween over. And I'm like, uh huh. And he's like, time put up leaves. Well, he remembered, like, he remembered that I put up fall decor, like, for Thanksgiving and stuff. Like, he knew that when I took the Halloween stuff down, I was going to put up that kind of stuff. Like, he was like, it's time to do this. So I just want to say, even if they can't say it, just know your kid hears you because that's you know it's so hard when they can't communicate it's such a struggle but they are watching and they are learning every single moment my favorite holiday moment um, was during our nonverbal years Um, we were at a conference that October and a mom shared about the first time that she realized her nonverbal son told her that he loved her. And I hadn't had that moment yet. Um, and in December, we always go to see um, Christmas lights. It's this huge display and I love it so much. And um, we were there and we were driving through it and Jackson was on my lap and he looked at me and he touched my cheek and he was still for such a moment. And I knew that was my moment. And um, he wasn't verbal, but he knew, and he had so much joy in that moment. And um, no matter how many presents he opens from here until the end of time, <laughs> that will always be my favorite holiday moment because it was our huge connection moment. So, um, Cheryl, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry that I no, couldn't hold you're it together. Totally I tried. I tried really hard. I remember those days, Amanda, <laughs> and I still get I still get pretty teary-eyed when things go a certain way, you know, when we conquered, you know, even at the parade when he, you know, went to the parade last year. It was like it's okay, mama, to get emotional, like especially, you know, when you've waited just for those moments. So, I understand. Yeah. Well, I hope that we have provided some hope and some help and some laughs on how to deal with the holidays. Cheryl, how can mamas find you um, on social media to keep up with your um, you journey? You can find me on Facebook at Three Little Birds Raising Kids on the Autism Spectrum. And on Instagram, same thing, um, Three Little Birds 321. And, um, Cheryl and Jen and Kim and Katie and I all have met um, because of the amazing Kate Swenson and I just want you all to know that um, we all found each other in Coop's Troop um, and that is our tribe and we are proud yeah, you can um, find me over there every to day. be in the company of there. <laughs> 
you can go yeah uh, yes the supporters group for finding cooper's voice and you'll see me every day so mm-hmm. you'll yes so i just wanted to make sure that our audience knows that um the trend of mamas who have agreed to speak and share their journeys um that is yeah, where we, we all found each other be, we would have never found each other without kate swenson and finding cooper's voice so we are so grateful that's right Yes. Well, thank you ladies so very much. It has been such a pleasure and we look forward to another episode with all of you very soon. Thank you ladies for having me.